0: Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty-gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson. And in this podcast, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, bestselling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from interesting side hustles. In today's episode, we're talking to Justin Forsett, a former NFL running back who transitioned his football career into launching a successful business called Shower Pill that's been featured on Shark Tank and now has their products carried in over 1,800 Target stores located around the U.S. After playing collegiate football at Cal State Berkeley here in the Bay Area, Justin got drafted to the Seattle Seahawks and began an NFL career that'd take him to the Baltimore Ravens, Denver Broncos, and multiple other teams over the course of the next nine years. And it was at this point after retiring from the NFL that he teamed up with a few friends and fellow Cal football players to work on an idea they had back in college for body wipes that could kill 99% of germs while still leaving you feeling fresh and smelling good after workouts when a shower isn't readily available. Shortly after launching the brand, Justin and his co-founders got a little press and landed a call with the producers of Shark Tank, and the rest is history. In this episode, Justin and I talk about how much of a role his time learning true discipline and hard work playing professional football has had in shaping just how quickly he's been able to scale his business. We dive into what it was like pitching his business on Shark Tank to some of the most famous investors in the world. We explore his literal chance opportunity that gave him a shot at taking a tour through Target headquarters, allowing him to meet several executives, show off his product, and strike a distribution deal. All of this and so much more. And as always, you can find everything we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrob.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's interview with Justin Forsett. Justin, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: It's an honor to be chatting with you here today. You're someone that I've uh, actually watched on uh, TV in multiple different respects, first during your career in the NFL, and then more recently on Shark Tank. And we're here to talk a little bit more about the latter today, everything you've started tackling after moving on from football. But uh, to give a little bit of backstory first to our listeners today, um, let's start from the beginning of your story. Where are you originally from?
1: Uh, I'm from a small town called Mulberry, Florida, a town of 3,000 people. Um, and, uh, just small country town built around the phosphate industry down there, phosphate mining. And, uh, yeah, um, just humble beginnings, very humble beginnings. yeah How long did you uh, live there? I lived there all the way up until I was about, let's see, 16. Yeah. I want to say six, 16. And then, I, then I moved to Arlington, Texas, my junior year and senior year. And then from there on, I went to school, uh, out in the, at Berkeley.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and at what point, I guess, did did um, you know NFL dreams kind of like start to creep into the picture? Was that when you moved for for high school?
1: No, man, early, early, man. I <laughs> I mean, I remember watching a guy named Barry Sanders on Sundays, man, just tearing up defenses, dipping and dashing through the defenses, and, and going into the end zone with these spectacular plays and. Uh, me being a shorter guy uh all my life, uh, that was someone I looked up to and I was like, man, I want to do that one day. And uh so I started playing Little League football with the Mulberry Buccaneers and uh you know kept going from that point.
0: I love it. I love it. So you you eventually find yourself out at Cal here uh in Berkeley. I'm actually in San Francisco, right across the bay. Um but uh you know, at that point in time when you were in college, um how likely did it seem that you would go play for the NFL? Like, was this what many players on the team were aspiring to do? But only a handful did. How how competitive is that to make the leap from college to playing in the NFL?
1: It's it's, it's highly competitive. Uh, I mean, everyone is when you get to college, especially at, at the Division One level, and you know, going to somewhere and playing in the Pac Ten, Pac Twelve, like like I did. Like everybody was. The best of the best. Everybody was the best player on their team for most of their lives. And then you get to college and everybody, you get the cream of the crop and everybody thinks they're going to the uh, to the NFL uh, at least that first th- those first couple of years. And then you kind of get uh, an idea once you get to your your, your junior and senior year, just wasting like, your playing time or your, your, your position that uh, you, you may or may not have a shot.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's ridiculously competitive to make that leap.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, man. It's I mean, I'm trying to think of the percentages right now, but it's like you know, less than one percent, something Damn. crazy like that. Wow!
0: How old were you when you were uh, first drafted, um, Seattle Seahawks? Right?
1: Yeah, Seattle Seahawks. Yep. How old were you at that point in time? I was 21.
0: Okay. Wow, man. So you you had a pretty sizable career in the NFL then.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, played uh, like nine years in the NFL. Jeez!
0: <laughs> wow. All right. Well, hey, let's talk business. Um, And, you know, I want to kick this off by saying that um, I I feel like as a culture, at least here in the U.S., we've become very familiar with um, this kind of story of professional athletes who basically built their entire lives around performing well at their sports, Mm -hmm. um, just to be left kind of wondering what the hell they should do once they're, you know, 35 years old and they retire. So, um, you know, my, my first question to you is really like, at what point did you start planning for your own future next steps after football was going to be done?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> it's a good question. I think like we all heard those stories, even as athletes, you know, um, you know, those are common stories that we hear in the locker room and in our communities that, you know, you hear crazy stats like we had from sports illustrated a couple of years back, like 80% of players, once they're, uh, retired after two years, they're either, uh, bankrupt, uh, divorced or depressed. Um, 80%. Wow. 80%. Uh, I wasn't like one of those, you know, at least most of my career, I wasn't like a household name. Uh, I was a journeyman, which means like I just bounced around from team to team. Uh, just to give you an idea. I mean, I, it was broken up, but I played for seven teams in nine years. Um, So it wasn't until I was drafted by Seattle, played there for years, and you know most people know me from my Baltimore stint, you know being a Pro Bowl running back there um, for that organization. But throughout my career, I was constantly picking up and picking up my family, and we're going from city to city, playing, trying to live out my dream. So I didn't know what the next year would bring for me. So uh, after being you know fired six times, you know after the first couple times, I'm like okay. I may have to figure out what's, what's the next, next next step for me, what's the next, chap, next chapter, what does it look like for me? And, you know, being from, you know, my, my dad, my parents were entrepreneurs, we had a restaurant, a barbecue restaurant in Little Old Mulberry, Florida, uh, for a while so that I worked in, and then mm-hmm. uh, me seeing guys like Magic Johnson, seeing guys like Michael Jordan, that didn't allow the sport to kind of define them, um, but they allowed that the sport to kind of propel them into that next phase of their life. Like they weren't just athletes. They were more than athletes and they were businessmen and moguls. You know, now they're doing, you know, owners of teams. Um, you know, uh, you know, Magic Johnson has a uh, you know, crazy uh, business resume with, you know, whether it's Starbucks, his movie theaters and all the investments that he's made along the way into companies that have been successful. So, uh, and now you can see, which is really encouraging, You know, I love that the notion of the dumb jock is being debunked uh, on a (laughs) consistent basis where you see guys like Steph Curry, like LeBron James, like Andre Godala, like all these guys are like into the tech space and they're into like, what's after basketball when it's done, what's after the sport when it's done. So uh, I had that mindset early because of me being fired so many times, like, okay, what's next, what I want to do. And, uh, to me becoming it, you know, going into the entrepreneurial world and starting this uh, starting this company. Um, you know, I started with my teammates uh, a few years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. And you know, your your company, Shower Pill. You guys make a product called the Body Wipe, um, yeah. which feels like it's really designed for you know maybe primarily athletes and then like outdoor enthusiasts as well. I would imagine would would get. Get this product. Um, the wipes kill ninety nine point nine percent of germs. Cleans, moisturizes your skin. It feels like this product makes a lot of sense coming from your background too. Um, and when when did you get the idea for developing the body wipe?
1: Yeah, it was early. Um, you know, early into my career, like the I would say the second to third uh, year of my career. Uh, my me and my former teammates at UC Berkeley. We I would always go back and train at Cal. Uh, during the off season. So I was always around my, my buddies from college and hanging out and brainstorming like what was next. And, uh, during the off season, I was constantly working out. Like I had to work extra hard because, you know, I was five, eight, running back 195 pounds. Like if you see me on the street, you would never think that I played nine years in the NFL. <laughs> uh, and so I had to work extra hard to, to maintain and sustain, uh, for as long as I did. And so I would train three or four times a day, waking up, you know, six o'clock in the morning, doing a workout, and then coming back in the middle of the day to um, maybe do a, a track session where I'm doing speed, uh, speed work for uh, emphasizing my speed and technique. And then at the end of the day, I would come back maybe in the evening and do like a Pilates or yoga workout. And during that time, I was constantly sweating and working out. I could not take three or four showers a day immediately after every workout. And, uh, I, you know, which would w- leave me walking around, you know, sweaty, gross. And, you know, the material that it's somebody like you're wearing under armor or tight knit, uh, you know, uh, apparel, like it can like, it can really trap the funk, uh, <laughs> a little bit in the Absolutely. sweat. And, uh, so I wanted to come up with a solution Like, where, man, I want to be presentable. If I wanted to do more throughout my day, um, without sacrificing the hygiene, I, I needed to I needed to find something and, or I needed to create something and there was nothing out there, uh, at the time. So we decided to create this disposable washcloth, uh, this antibacterial, uh, wipe that you just described so eloquently. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of where where it started.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned you, you, you've been working on this project with some buddies, um, that you played ball with at Berkeley. Um, when did you guys start developing the actual product? Like when did it leap from, you know, idea in your heads? Like, oh my God, we need to do this to, yeah. you know, getting some prototypes made.
1: Yeah. So we started playing around because, I mean, this was like the ultimate side hustle, um, you know, for, for at least at least for, for, I for all of us. So for me, you know, being a full-time professional athlete, um, you know, getting paid uh, to go out and, you know, run into 300-pound men on Sundays, uh, this was a, a, you know, something that I would just do on the side, you know, it was around, I would say 2012, 2013, where we were like, okay, let's see what it would take in order to develop a product like this and get some prototypes. So reach out to some manufacturers. Um, I would go on meetings with my calls with my partners after practice. And, uh, so we just started, you know, that process around yeah, 2012, 2013.
0: Man, yeah, seems like it'd be a lot of work to juggle uh, starting a business in particular while, I mean, your full-time job as an athlete, I, I think it's an understatement to call it a full-time job.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty crazy, man. Um, just the, the schedule uh, that we had, which, I mean, it was pretty structured, though, because they would give us an itinerary and they tell us what to do throughout the day uh, for the most part. Um, but there was a lot of gaps in there where we could get some stuff done. And I'm seeing it now being on the other side of in, on the entrepreneur world that I actually had a lot of, a lot of gaps and a lot of time uh, to do stuff because I'm more busy now than I ever was being a professional athlete. <laughs>
0: um, so, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, you start working on this, um, really bringing the product to life 2012, 2013. Uh-huh. Um, when did you guys apply to be on Shark Tank? When did that start happening?
1: Oh, man, so that was after my retirement. So that was recent. That was... Okay. Uh, So about two years ago now, um, or just a little bit under that, uh, we, uh, one of the things that being a professional athlete, being in the NFL, you can use that to, you can leverage that to, you know, have other opportunities. And when I made my retirement uh, speech, uh, so to speak, I, I, I put it out in an article uh, and on a platform and uh, it kind of went viral that day and uh, a lot of people picked it up. My, just about, I, I talked about my retirement and what I was going to do next, which was shower pill, and uh, a lot of people reached out. A lot of people were from CNN to Bleacher Report, what have you, and then uh, out of nowhere, Shark Tank reached out and asked me if I wanted to be on the show, if I had any interest, and then we began the process to uh, apply for the show, which was a long, grueling process, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that's how it happened. Wow.
0: I mean, that's super cool. I, I think this is a great example of like using the opportunities that you have, right? Like this is, this is something you, that you have to leverage your career in the NFL. So I, I love that you were able to use that to kind of like parlay it into all these, you know, launch coverage, essentially.
1: Yeah, I man, that's one of the things that I mean, whatever you have, you have to use to the best of your ability, whatever you can leverage, use it to the best of your ability, it's gonna open up doors for you. Uh for me, it's been the NFL shield, and I'm leveraging the heck out of it even to this day to open up opportunities. Whether it's you know marketing and you know doing PR, uh, anytime that we're doing something, it's pretty. It, I've been blessed in that regard that it's been pretty fairly easy for us to to get out there in, in, in the mainstream. Market.
0: Yeah. Now, you know, going back to Shark Tank real quick, I, I remember that you guys didn't actually walk away with the deal at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so being on the show. It seems like it's still had a major positive impact for you guys. Did you see like any sort of sales spikes or like pick up in retail accounts after that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was great, even though we didn't get a deal. Um, And, you know, for, for me, you know, being a professional athlete, I like it to be having a a fumble on national TV, but not on the football field, but in on Shark Tank uh, for everybody to, for everybody to see. Um, But it had tremendous, I uh, had a tremendous impact for the company, just an awareness, uh, with the sales spikes. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah. It was just for us created this new category, um, of, you know, active care, we would like to call it. And, uh, cause most people don't even know that there's a product out there that can solve this, this, this pain point when a shower is optimal, but not possible. So it did, wonders for us in, in exposure wonders for us as a company and business-wise and just how we do things and how we run and what our, what our strengths is and what our weaknesses are. But, uh, yeah, it did, it did, uh, wonders for us in a myriad of ways.
0: Yeah. And it looks like you guys have really gone on to like spread your reach out big time since <laughs> I, I saw, you know, you're, you're selling in places like target on yep. target.com, um, crunch fitness, pharmacies nationwide. Um, so how, how did, like, the first domino really topple as far as, like, landing a major retail account? Which, which I guess, company was that that took the first kind of big bet
1: on you guys? Well, it was a small pharmacy store. Uh, it was, like, small. They got about 40 stores across the country. And um, we had reached out to them. Uh, we thought it would be a great fit. They had some locations in the West, on the West Coast uh, out in the Bay Area, uh, uh, which is our, our, our old stomping ground and uh they took the they took the risk first in bringing us in and we've been doing well in there but the big you know the big domino obviously target is a is a uh, you know mm-hmm. the you know premium retail uh brand out there uh right now as far as like you know just consumer and our consumer going to pick up you know personal care products so uh we were very excited about that but how we got that was very interesting so this happened about Uh, A year ago as well, um, I write a journal. I write in my journal uh, just goals, things I want to accomplish for the business, especially at the top of the year, what I want to do. I'm sure not unlike a lot of people out there. And one of them was, you know, this year I wanted a big box. Last year I wanted a big box retail. And that big box retail, I wanted the first one was Target. And uh, I, I wrote it down and I didn't have a contact there. So I was trying to figure out ways where I can reach out to them because it's really hard to cold call these, you know, big box retailers to get in. Um, it's pretty much impossible to reach out. LinkedIn, all that stuff, it, it really doesn't work. Um, so you got to have an in somewhere. So the Super Bowl just so happened to be in Minneapolis last year out of all places. And I wasn't going to go. I normally go to the Super Bowl to do some press media stuff uh, just for the personal brand. and and. I found out from the, the, the NFL Players Association that they were giving a business tour of Target, and I got it on my email. I was like, "Oh man, the stars are aligning! This is awesome." I'm like, okay, I'm not—I wasn't going to go to Minnesota because who wants to go to Minnesota in February? Uh, but I got—I got—I got my plane ticket. I was like, "Okay, this is my shot." So I went it there. It was just a business tour. It was not meant for pitching by any means, any stretch of mm-hmm. So I grabbed—I have—I have—I brought my backpack with me, and I brought a couple boxes of shower pills, uh, with me. And I just thought, I met the CEO, I met some of the execs, I met some of the merchandising, uh, uh, you know, agents there and account managers. And after their conversation in the tour, I just, I, I gave my, you know, 10 second, 15 second spill on the company, gave them samples. And they, lo- they loved the the idea and the concept. And we started continue to talk email back and forth and eventually, a few months down the road, after I talked to them initially in February, they were like, "Okay, we have a meeting." Had a big meeting. It was like, "Okay, we're going to put you in a 150 store test run." And I was like, "Oh man!" And this happened right after. Wow. Right after our really first official meeting with them, and I'm like, "Okay, this is this sounds This is how it works. I guess it works fast like this." And and we get in there and it was like, okay. We're doing everything we can to make sure, marketing wise, that people know that we can go find us at Target now. There's 150 stores because uh, we got to do well in this test run. We end up doing very well in the test run, meeting our benchmarks. And then they say, okay, you passed the test. We're going to put you in all 1,800 stores. And about two weeks ago, we started our launch nationwide in all 1,800 stores into Target. Wow.
0: Oh my God. That's insane. What kinds of, like, you know, if. If you can only get ballpark figures, it's totally cool. Um, but like what kinds of numbers in, in terms of sales are you guys expecting to make like per month now that you have access to this like really broad distribution channel?
1: Well, we know that just this distribution channel alone uh, at the end of this year will be uh, well over a million dollars for us. That I can't say.
0: Wow. Just through Target. That's crazy. Just through Target. Yeah. Wow. That's really impressive. Um and, you know, as you said, like, you know, the once one big domino falls, it becomes easier to land in other stores as well. Um, what are some of your other like distribution channels? Are you guys selling? I know I've seen your product on Amazon. Um, are you growing like the focus this year? Is it on growing retail accounts or is it on growing like your own kind of like e-commerce sales?
1: So we have an omnichannel channel approach, um, but this this so we we all, I mean, we are on Amazon uh, of course, we have our custom e-commerce platform on our website where we sell product, but uh, definitely increasing distribution into uh, brick-and-mortar retail is an uh, uh, emphasis for us this year, just building off what we have uh, with Target, but more so into the specialty market. So a la uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, REI, uh, those are some of our targets uh, for this year academy sports for some people um, in you know in the uh, southern eastern region may know those some of those stores Uh, but but yeah so those are some of the like distribution channels that we're aiming for uh, in
0: 2019. Yeah I like it and you know I really want to highlight because it can be easy for for someone listening here today who you know doesn't have the platform of being a professional athlete or being you know otherwise notable or something it can be easy to give excuses like, oh, you know, Justin's got access to opportunities I'd never get. But I think like really driving this home, like let's come back to the point that you took an advantage of an opportunity that you saw. You saw something come your way. It wasn't like really presented, you know, on a silver platter to you. Like this is you going out of your way to make shit happen. And that's what I really want people to take away from this conversation. It's like you hustled your way into, you know, meeting the right people at target when you saw an opportunity come your way you presented this to them like you you really made this
1: happen yourself yeah you definitely have to be proactive man um you know just because you have um you know a platform doesn't mean that someone is just going to give you opportunity without you putting in the work and we every step of the way it's been that way i mean you get the especially early on in the company, in the business, like, you know, an athlete, a, you know, CEO or entrepreneur, like, what does he know about the, the business world? And then, you know, not getting a deal on, on Shark Tank, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and trying to overcome that bit of an obstacle that we had to overcome. Um, it, it was tough. So we had to bounce back. You know, we got we got kicked in the teeth. And we had to respond. It was either like, okay, we're going to fold. We're going to allow you know, uh, you know, us not having you know the greatest experience in CPG or in retail to stop us or to define us, or we're going to allow it to refine us. Are we going to get better and learn from our mistakes? And we're going to grow and hustle and do whatever it takes to make this company go. And that's what we've been doing. I mean, I still use LinkedIn. It didn't work for Target, but for other distribution channels, like I'm going on, on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm making sure I'm showing up at you know, uh, events and whether it's trade shows and I'm, and I'm pitching, I'm constantly meeting people. So you definitely have to put in the work. Uh, the platform is just, uh, not enough, uh, itself.
0: Yeah. The hustle is very evident to see. Um, so what should we expect from you guys, um, over the years to come? Is it, you know, is the focus now like really just growing the reach of the body wipes or do you guys plan on releasing some more products? What is kind of your, your broader vision look like?
1: Yeah, no, man. We're going to uh, have some additional SKUs out uh, this year. Uh, some more products um, that we have in the pipeline. We're uh, uh, we consider ourselves like building out this uh, active care category. And, you know, really, uh, you know, pioneering this category where you know this uh, hygiene on the go, so to speak. So you can expect a few more products coming um, coming your way, and uh, this year, which will be pretty exciting because we, we had this growth. Real- Product, by the way, for so long. So, uh, we're definitely going to provide some more, some more cool products and you know, really trying to build this brand out.
0: I love it. All right. Well, Justin, I've got a couple of my frequently asked questions for you. Um, I designed them to be short on my end, but your responses do not need to be equally so. All right. What's your number one piece of advice to our listeners here today that want to build a profitable business of their own? What should their number one focus be today?
1: Man, I would say persistence. I mean, just in my journey and being an entrepreneur and being an athlete, what allowed me to be successful um, in that regard is being, a, you know, being in the NFL and being a Pro Bowl running back, um, you know, it was persistence. And now I'm seeing it. I, I have to use this in the entrepreneur world day in and day out. I hear no's constantly, whether it's going out, you're pitching your company and you're meeting with investors or you trying to get distribution channels like you're going to hear no's. But. You can't allow that you can't allow that to deter you uh from your dream like be persistent uh don't be afraid to you know email uh it consistently don't don't be afraid to to pick up the phone and call and put yourself out there and be uncomfortable um you know because it will pay off in the end at least what I've seen
0: great advice what kinds of sacrifices have you had to make in order to put enough time and effort into growing the business over the years
1: sheesh uh time is just that man it, imagine You've been playing football since you were seven, devoting, you know, most of your life to it. And then, you know, you're starting a family in the middle of your professional football career. You end up playing nine years in the NFL. You start a family, got a wife and three kids. And then you say you're going to retire. And then, you know, your wife and kids are expecting you to be home, you know, every day, just playing, being, you know, being dad, you know, uh, we've been blessed in a, lot of different, in a lot of different ways and, you know, them expecting, you know, me to be home. Um, you know, was a reasonable expectation for them. But uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, like I said earlier, like I'm more busy now than I ever was playing football. And like I'm, more, I'm on planes, you know, maybe twice a week, and I'm, 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 I'm maybe home, but I'm not home. Like I'm in my office, I'm doing work. Um, you know, I'm in meetings. So the time, you know, just uh, away from the family, and you know, even in this phase of my life, has been uh, a huge sacrifice.
0: Yeah, it's tough to find the balance there too.
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 extremely hard. The first year was t- was tough. You know, we moved from Baltimore um uh to Dallas where we live now and like really didn't have too much help uh with the with the kids and family and just and you know, it wasn't much structure. It was like the wild, wild west here, and I'm just gone a lot. Of my wife, we had a newborn at the time, and it was just it was just bad. And now we have a little bit of structure, we have some help here. Um, around the house uh, to help my wife and more family. Family's been coming by and helping out. So it's been great to have have that now, but even even so, it's, it's still difficult.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure. All right, well, Justin, this is my last question for you. Uh, what's been the best investment you feel you've ever made in the context of growing your business? And this can be in the form of time, money, tools, products, services, or otherwise.
1: Oh, man, the greatest investment. I would say, man, just in resources for me, just like in the in the business world, like it's because I didn't come from like a necessarily a traditional business background. Um, uh, like when I went to Cal, I didn't go to Haas business school. Um, you know, so investing time in like, uh, reading and having great mentors around me listening to, you know, podcasts like this, reading great materials, whether it's, uh, you know, Shoe Dog, you know, from, you know, Phil Knight and just kind of really trying to grow myself, like, you know, investing in myself and making sure that I have everything I need in order to help, you know, push this company in the right direction.
0: I love it. All right. Well, Justin, thank you for joining us. Can you tell everyone listening today where they go to learn more about you, everything you're up to?
1: Yes. You can go to my uh, personal page at J4Set on all channels, uh, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, uh, or you can go to uh, at shower pill on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, find out what we're doing and what I'm doing. Beautiful. All right. Thank you again for joining us. I uh, appreciate it, Ryan.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.